Once again, I'm very happy and honored and delighted to be here with you today. As we have been in the series by the name of Beautiful Feed, today, as we've been in this series, I would like to take the opportunity to see or to search a need of a true faith. How this father comes to Jesus asking for his son's well-being. At the same time, we are asked God directly when we have a need. I would like you to open the Bible in the book of Mark, chapter 9. We're going to be looking into the verses 14 to 29. Please have your Bibles open so that way we'll be going through, you will be able to follow through. Once again, the beautiful feed, but the main thing or the main focus that I would like to go today is the need of a true faith. I would like to consider today with you not only the need of this boy to be healed, but the salvation that comes from going directly to Jesus. Amen. Based on Mark 9, it tells us that a man brought his son to the disciples of the Lord so that we can be healed. But at the same time, the verses tell us that the disciples failed to help the boy. They failed to help the boy. But then the father comes to Jesus and asks to be helped on his disbelief. Jesus always comes to the rescue when we have a need. Amen. He always there when we have a need. Once again, the main verse that we have used all these eight Sundays or weekdays that have been preaching is the book in Isaiah 52, 7, when it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who publishes salvation. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, we find Jesus and a father who has a need. He is a good father. And we are going to take on the context that he is a spiritual leader. That he is taking responsibility of being a father. A role model and a provider for his family. Once again, he is taking responsibility of what he has to do with his son. He loves his son, and he's a father who is suffering. He's a father who has a pain inside of seeing his son with a problem, with a need. As we watch Jesus reach this hurting father, it is important for us to keep in mind what is happening to Christ. Once again, the time of the encounter with a desperate father is the day after the transfiguration of Jesus. He alone with Peter, James, and John descend from the top of the mountain from Mount Tabor to the plain below. The mount was referred as to the holy mount. If you look into 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us that this was called the holy mount, where Jesus was when he was transfigured. 
Of course, records of the transfiguration also we can see in the gospel. We can see that in Matthew and Mark and Luke. From this narrative, we gather that Jesus went with his disciple from the Exida to the neighborhood of Caesarea Philippi, where Peter memorial confession was made. Six of days after, later Jesus went up into the high mountain to pray. He took the disciples. Once again, Peter, James, and John. There he was transfigured before them. They saw what was happening to Jesus. Once again, they left the radiant light of the transfiguration experience to enter into the shadow of shame or confusion after. On that occasion, Peter, James, and John were witness of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah talking about the coming death and resurrection of Jesus. What experience for the disciples. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, the way things happened. And the Bible says there uh, that he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. It was an excellent experience. The very divine inner nature that has been hidden in his body of flesh was expressed before them in the same body. The normal external expression of our Lord in his humiliation was that a man familiar with the suffering, the human weakness, the frail man and aware of the fragility of humanity. The radiant of his glory suddenly shone through his humanity and through all his clothes. Matthew tells us he made his face shine. It was like a sunlight in pure gold or the flash of a large carrot of a diamond. It was an excellent experience for the disciples. Even Peter asked, can we stay here? Of course, that never happened. That's why at the moment when this happened, God the Father, when things happened to his son, he said right on verse 7, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So the father was seeing that this was his son. It is from that experience that we see Jesus with the three disciples who entered the mainstream of humanity with their desperate suffering. When Jesus sees the need of an emptiness in a heart, he is there, amen. He comes directly to us and gives us the response of the many questions we have inside of our heart, inside of our mind, inside of our soul, of any human being especially for those who cry out for help. Do you see those beautiful feet coming to you to rescue from those things? This time, I would like to take three points. The first one is the double despair or the desperate. The double despair or the desperate. After the transfiguration, Jesus came down 
to the nine disciples that he left behind in the valley. There was, as verse 14 says, they saw a great crowd around them and his wife arguing with the disciples. I imagine it was a noisy scene. The scribes were arguing with the disciples from the context in which they were probably harassing the disciples. Why? Because they failed to try to expel the demon that was on the boy. They had tried to heal the boy, but they failed. Without a doubt in my mind, the scribe delighted in the failure and made, were making fun of them. The scribe were making the best of the opportunity to criticize the disciple and belittle the master. The scribe took the opportunity to put the end of the Savior and judge Jesus by judging the disciples. But Jesus is always there when there is a need. Amen? Whenever you call him out, he will be there for you. Whenever you're knocking on the door, he will be opening the door for you. Whenever you call him, he will be there for you. Thanks God. His line never full. It's always available. This noisy scene once again, when Jesus sees a need, he's always there for us. When there is a need, Jesus always shows up. The Bible tells us in verse 15 that immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. The people saw Jesus and were surprised, as verse 15 says. I'm pretty sure the person took them by surprise. They were completely surprised. I really do not think that it was the radiant or the persistent transfiguration in him because he told Peter, James, and John not to say anything about what they saw. As the verse 9 says, he charged them to tell them, not to say anything until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Imagine the feeling of the nine disciples running through the veins of the disciples. Imagine what was happening. They were confused, happy, ashamed, delighted to see him. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of questions. There were a lot of despair. Maybe the scribe's response was, oh, no, 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 why are you acting like that at this moment? But Jesus asked them, what are you arguing with them? Verse 16. I think everybody was once again amazed by the sudden appearance of Jesus just at the moment when he was most needed by his disciple, and besides also of this suffering father. It came as a surprise that he most suddenly appeared at a time when the disciples have failed to help in the desperate situation. 
Not only the disciples humbled, but also the Father God was desperate. Once again, I'm pretty sure the Father, he, this was driving him more in despair. The scribes were very happy. Suddenly, Jesus appeared almost out of nowhere when he's not expected. Jesus' time is always perfect. Amen? Jesus' time is always perfect. Perhaps by the tone of his voice, they realize the authority that Jesus has. And the crowd was silent in the middle of the crowd. The agonized voice of the serious angel father takes the opportunity and Jesus answered. Thanks God because when we call Jesus, he always answered to our call. Because his time is always perfect. Once again, maybe the father was thinking, maybe this is the last chance that I have for my son. I am probably am the reason of the whole commotion was going on at this moment. That's why he said, teacher, I brought you my son to you who has a dumb spirit who whoever he takes it, shakes him, foams, grinds his teeth, and dries up. Not only that, he said, so I ask your disciples to cast it out and they were not able to do it. But the father continues saying, not only the evil spirit provokes all those things, but also whenever he seizes him, in verse 17, he throws him down. Imagine what's going on with his son. The idea to seize him as to take possession of the boy. The evil spirit makes the child his own possessions. He sees the child and pulls him down. And when he has the child on the floor, he also causes seizures. The boy, as the Bible says, probably had scars from where he had fallen into the fire. The disciples were powerless in this situation. The scribe were probably once again happy because of the failure of the disciples. Ever wonder how many times this father had cried out to God for help? You can hear a strong appeal from his father echoing the crowd, help us once. He spent the words of the Father with force. But if you are capable of doing anything, help us once. If you have compassion for us, help us. I have a question for you. How does your faith respond in this situation? I repeat, how does your faith respond in this situation? Second point I would like to make is the darkness of doubt. In verse 19, Jesus responds to the whole world so they can listen. Jesus made this statement. He said, unbelieving generation, how long should I be with you? How long will I endure? Bring it to me. I see Jesus' character. I see Jesus being taken control of the situation. Everybody lack 
the faith at that moment. The father of the child, the disciple of Jesus, and the scribe, well, all just waiting to see what was going to happen. Jesus only trusts in the heavenly father. Why could not his disciple trust him? It was painful also for him to have to endure all of them at that moment. The disciples were hope, hopeless. Could he trust the future of the kingdom of God in their hands? Jesus was preparing them for his early departure. If they could not take possession of the demon in the child, how could they take the kingdom of God? How can they take the gospel to all the ends of the earth? Everything depending on the disciples. We not only to see the anguish of the Father here, but also the anguish of Jesus as he sees the unfaithful condition of his followers. I think the devil saw the situation and tried to take advantage of it. But in a fierce expression of his content for Jesus, verse 20 says, When the spirit saw him, immediately he convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. Observe. Well, the attitude of the devil towards the presence of Jesus. When he saw Jesus, then the spirit threw the child into a seizure. The evil spirit tried to kill the child in the presence of his creator. The convulsion occurred at the moment when the demon saw Jesus. But also the father continues stating, in verse 22, that this has been happening since his childhood, and he's continued saying, and he has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. Figure out how this father is feeling inside, seeing his son suffering all his life. The intense and tender lover of the father for his son can be heard in his last plea in verse 22. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus' response is equally intense. The question is not whether I am capable, but if you believe Jesus takes place, I struck emphasis on faith on this occasion. The father asked if you can. Of course Jesus can. But he continues saying something else on verse 23. All things are possible for one who believe. Amen. All things are possible for one who believe. And the question that I have for you also, do you believe that Jesus can change the things that are going on in your life at this moment? Do you trust Jesus can change things in your marriage? Do you think Jesus can change things in the society? Do you think Jesus can change what's going on in your job? Do you believe? 
Matthew shares with us a little more of the evidence when he wrote in Matthew 17, 20, when Jesus took all the disciples in private, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Amen. They have less faith than a grain. It only takes a grain of faith. I have heard many people speaking in our days, trying to work the faith. They try to work the faith with loud cries and scream, thinking that God, he cannot hear us. And also trying to wake him up like he's asleep. The faith of a mustard seed is the simple trust in which we live. Amen. What was the father's response after that? Verse 24, the father says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, hell my unbelief. I see this as an anxious, frightening cry of faith. The father asked for continued help on his own belief. This is all the time helping my disbelief. It was an immediate response to Jesus, the man for full trust in him. I am believing, but I am constantly helping my little faith. Continue moment by moment and day by day to come to my aid so that I can overcome my disbelief. Thanks God for the compassion of Jesus. Amen. I see that Jesus did not sweep the man aside or say to the Father, I cannot help you. Jesus met for the first time the spiritual need of the Father bringing him to a son of faith. It surprised me once again how Jesus dealt with this man. Jesus took it from fear, from frustration, from despair, from doubt, and the faltering faith of a place that he needed to be encountered. That's why he shouted, Help me if you can. In the face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, the faith become to come to life. Jesus still take us to where we are in our spiritual life and lead us to an intimate love relationship with him. Amen. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? This gospel is all about having a relationship with God. We are creator in the same as we are married with him. One day we will be here together with him in heaven. The third point, believe in God versus personal faith. We do not need to go far to find the answer. Millions of people around the world read the Bible and go to church to hear the word of God. 
these acts could be considered as a statement of faith. In what we read and hear. However, what happens when it comes to faith for our own life? Do we really have faith that the word of God can be fulfilled in our life? Let me give you two examples. When we read 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Do we really give thanks for everything? Or do we just give thanks for the good things? It is easy enough to give thanks for the good things. But we must give thanks in everything the Bible tells us. Another example we hear when we read the Bible is that it tells us we should not get angry or bitter. Do we really believe that we can do it? Learning to control oneself and not letting anger guide our words and actions is good. Not letting bitterness show when we talk to someone is also good. But do we really believe that by God's grace, we cannot get angry or to be bitter in the first instances? Once again, do we really have faith that the word of God can be fulfilled in our life? Let me give you this illustration. Electric cables are the mere means of bringing power into your homes. They are the distance generators, 100 miles perhaps, in some hydroelectric stations, someplace, somewhere. Here is our home with the hair dryers, the toasters, the lamps, the computers, the cell phones. The electric flags, the underground cables, and the high-voltage wire all join our life to the generators right up there into the mountains. But we never talk about the flags, about the cables, about the wires. We never even think about all that. However, how indispensable they are. They are the channels for the power to enter into our house. Faith is like those cables. It is the connecting grace it is indispensable for us. But all it does is plug us into the fullness of God in Christ. But Jesus is the one who can save, uh, who can keep us once again joined to him. When we face our own sinful nature and see how deep it is full and how easy it is for us now to achieve salvation, we can cry out in our heart, Dear God, I know that you exist and that your word is true, but help me to believe that it's possible for me to live according to your word. I will conclude with this. I believe something can happen in you. I personally was born in, into a family, going to church, 
and have been an active member all my life. I never had problems thinking that the Bible was wrong or was false. But coming to a faith for my own life that the word of God and his will can be fulfilled in me was a big step beyond the faith of a child who believed in what he heard. This cry of help my own belief not only happened once in a lifetime, but every day when we encounter sin and our human nature that prevents us from putting our life in order with the word of God and his will. That's why Jesus always gives us the opportunity as Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my joke is easy and my burden is light. Let me leave you with these questions. Do you have faith that the word of God can be, can be fulfilled in your own life? Do you think you can turn your life into the glorious word that you read? When we find this great lack of faith in our life, we can really cry out, I believe, help my unbelief. It is not a failure of faith to have this prayer in our life, but it comes from a deep need to live a life that is, that is pleasing to God. Once again, this prayer comes from a deep need to live a life that is pleasing to God. May the Lord bless each one of you. And once again, I say thank you for the Lord for giving me this opportunity. Amen. Amen.